Today's episode is brought to you by Batch Dialer. Receive unlimited outbound dialing free for seven days. Go to batchdialer.com forward slash Dave or use code Dave when signing up. Reach anyone, anytime, from anywhere. Make and receive calls from anywhere in the world using your online browser. Maintain a local presence while working remotely by using local area codes and local phone numbers. You can even get your virtual assistants to do this for you. Head on over to batchdialer.com forward slash Dave or use code Dave at checkout to receive unlimited outbound dialing free for seven days. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. back we're back we are back hey mike good morning are we back we're back all right let's do this yeah we're back what are we talking about today Dave? we are going to talk about negotiating with sellers oh i like it let's jump in all right negotiating. we haven't done a podcast on negotiating with sellers all right so let's uh let's talk about when you are initially on the phone with the seller first okay so what do you do when you're initially on the phone when you are initially on the phone, you want to – I always start with getting their name and a good callback number because sometimes people will hang up. Sometimes calls drop. And often whenever somebody's calling us, we've spent money to get that phone call. Oh, 100%. We've spent money to get so, the phone ringing. So we want to capture name, phone, and address, number one, every time. And most likely you've spent money on them as well. Again, these are leads coming into your business. First of all, first and foremost, new investors – Pick up the phone. That's the most yeah, important thing. Yeah, pick it thing. up. And if Here's, you are not, you're throwing money out the window. You're throwing your hard-earned money out the window, and you're potentially losing out on a deal. Uh, so what you're doing when you're talking with a seller. Try to get their email at first, too, just because that way you can send them an offer later. And sometimes they may not like it, but you still want to send it. If you have the email in advance before you give them the offer amount, you've captured it. That's right. Not to be right away, but make sure you get the email before you send the offer or make the offer verbally, I think. So the other thing is you sound a little bit more professional or more like a company if you're asking for those things right away, too. So you say, hey, what's a good callback number if we get disconnected? You mm -hmm. sound professional. Again, it sounds a little bit more like, oh, this is a person that's serious about this. Like, I didn't just call some random guy who's looking to buy my house. This is somebody who is again a little bit more more seriously interested so these things they're very very minor and they're very little things but your attempt is to build rapport you're yep. trying to start a relationship with the seller at this point most likely this seller has a secret and they don't want to tell you and most likely the secret is they're in trouble or the house yeah. is in trouble and yep. they don't, people are not forthcoming with that they don't want to be so you have to 
create a friendship, create a relationship with this person, figure out what their secret is and figure out how you can help them. So that is my opinion. Your first objective when you're on the phone is to make a friend. So get their contact info, gain their trust, make a friend. That's really what you're trying to do when you are, um, first on the phone. And this puts you in a better position to then negotiate with the seller. Again, that's all uh, what I was talking about kind of digress, but that that's where I was going with that, is you want to create a relationship so that you can negotiate. Down you, the, you have to. Down, you got to create a relationship. Well, you you, know, you need to, you want to make a friend. I always say that. You want to make a friend with whoever's calling you. Again, you've spent money to get the phone ringing. And you want to build trust with them because you want to be able to help them. I mean, that is the name of the game here. You know, we're not really buying houses. That's actually a side effect of solving problems. So we're trying to solve a problem for them, whichever that might be. And in return, we get a great deal on a home that we can either add to the rental portfolio or we mm-hmm. can flip it and make 20 or 30 grand, wholesale it, maybe not even go there sometimes and make a quick five or 10. Lots of options. I think what some what a lot of people miss in just business in general is that your goal is to add value. Oh, man. No matter people where, forget that. Yeah, no matter what you're doing, if you're not adding value to someone, they're not willing to buy the service. They're not willing to pay you. They're not willing to sell you the house. In this case, buying their house is the service that they're buying from you. Right. Or selling you their house is the service they're buying from you. So again, you have to add value to that person in some way. You have to make it easy for them to sell, or you have to make it uh, comfortable. You have to, again, you've got to, it's, it's a little bit different. A lot. Most people don't buy and sell houses that often. That's right. Most people don't have experience with it. So you need to be their guide. You have to be the, um, the expert voice for them. Again, you gotta. It, yeah, so okay. it's just kind so of let's talk about the leads coming in, but I really want to make this episode about the negotiating process. So okay. when the leads come in, you, again, you want to get their name, their phone number, their address, or the address of the subject property, maybe an email, maybe not right then and there, but get that later for mm-hmm. sure. And then you want to build rapport with them. You want to let them know that you are here to help, that you can you know, solve a problem for them. Next, you want to figure out why they're calling you. I think that's really, really important. Ask, you know, why do you need to sell? If they want to sell or there's tire kicking or shopping for offers, that's fine. It's such a simple give question. Them the, give them an offer range or an offer amount. But you really are there to figure out why they are calling you. You want to determine, and this is really just a simple tool, to determine their level of motivation. Um, if, they, if you ask somebody, why are you selling? And they say that uh, it's not your business or they're not comfortable sharing it, that's fine. Ask them when the when reveals the why. I absolutely love that. The when reveals the why. So let's do a little role play. Mike, why are you selling? I don't really feel comfortable telling you that, Dave. Okay, that's fine. No problem. I'm here to help. When would you like to close, though? When do you need the money? Do you, well, do you need it we next need to, week? Or? We need to close by the end of next month because of the estate has to be closed out. By Boom. The There's the why. Because the estate has to be closed out. It doesn't matter what it is. They're basically going to tell you. Or you can just kind of dial down like, well, why do you need the money next Tuesday? And oftentimes you'll hear something crazy like, well, I'm going to jail on Thursday, so I need the money. (laughs) So it's like, boom, now you have just identified their level of motivation. If it's not high, maybe not spend a lot of time on it. But if it is high, drop what you're doing and go look at the property or start analyzing it. Yeah, so it can go another way too Uh, when when you – when role play. So if – 
they were to ask me again why, and I say I'm not telling. And Mike, why are you selling? I'm not really comfortable telling you. Well, when do you need to close? Uh, I'm not really that mo. I'm not in that big of a rush, you know. Sometime. Okay. Sure. Well, we're typically buying properties in this neighborhood for between eighty and ninety-five thousand. Is that going to be in your price range? Oh man, that seems really low. Okay, I no saw problem. One down the street that sold for three hundred. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just not going to work for us. But if you like, I can call you back in a couple weeks and see if things have changed. All right. Boom. I'm not wasting time dealing with somebody that's looking for retail, guys. We are in the wholesaling niche in, in the real estate investing business and you have to buy right. What's my favorite saying? You make your money when you buy. You get paid when you sell. So I'm going to keep reiterating that. You got to get a discount. But really though, to simplify this again, somebody the other day said that they really like this. So I'm going to run with this for a second. But what wholesalers do is they provide liquidity to the marketplace. That's really the main thing that we do. And how do we do it? We trade these these owners, these property owners or these sellers, we trade them convenience for a discount. That's it. That's all we're doing. We're trading convenience to them. We make their life easy, meaning we're going to buy it with cash. We're going to close quick and they have to do no repairs. So it's an as is purchase. That's the convenience that we are offering. We don't offer that convenience for retail. Why would we? There's no money in that. So I make it very clear when I talk to sellers that I can close quick and I can buy it as is and I pay cash even, right? Which really just reiterates that I can close quick, but I'm not going to pay retail. And if I can't help them in terms of offer them that level of convenience for a discount, well, then I'm not interested as the buyer or wanting to buy that property. So, And that goes back to the value proposition I had mentioned earlier. Again, Dave's value is I can close quickly. I'm cash buyer. I can help you. I can help you sell this house fast. Yeah. That's the value. That's and if that's value. not a value to them, you won't do the you won't do the transaction. It's not worth it. So again, it, there has to be a motivation there for them to sell either quickly or as is Love or it. whatever. So build some rapport. Ask them why. If the why doesn't reveal the why, then ask the when, which will then reveal the why. Okay. And then next, what you want to do is you want to run comps. You always want to run comps next, and you want to determine the ARV. So we use a simple formula called the Maximum Allowable Offer Formula. Uh, if you're familiar with it, it's very simple. It's Maximum Allowable Offer equals ARV times 70%, which can vary a little bit, minus your repairs, and then minus your wholesale fee. So in order to get an offer, we got to know what the ARV of the property is. Okay, So you want to run comps and determine what the ARV is. Um, again, you are looking for like properties when you're doing ARVs. You want to look for properties that are similar in size, very close in proximity, um, and have the same number of beds and baths. Also, you want to look at the updates on those properties. You can't compare a newly rehab property to one that needs 50 grand. Again, after repair value. So you want to find the ones that have already been repaired to determine your ARV. Next, we multiply that by 70%. Again, that's why you need to have a motivated seller. They need to be willing to sell knowing that they're leaving 20, 30, and sometimes even 40% on the t on the table because they want that convenience that you're offering. Again, we're trading a discount for convenience. So if you are not um, getting a discount, why would you want to provide convenience to them? Very, very simple. Doesn't very, very sense. simple. All right. So then next, what we want to do is we get our ARV times it by 70%. Next, we want to subtract our repairs. Now, you may have to go to the property to, to get the repair estimate, or you can just estimate. Typically, we will tack on uh, anywhere between $15 and $30 a foot 
um, depending on how good or bad the seller describes the property. And then last but not least, we subtract out an additional five, 10, sometimes even 15,000 for our wholesale fee. And then that is the offer that we make. Now, we have spent 12, 10 minutes talking about getting to this point, but this is about negotiating. So now that we have made our offer, we have to start negotiating. Sometimes, and this is a numbers game, folks, sometimes your offer will get accepted right away, and there is very little negotiation. One thing I missed about the MAO is the M. You want to explain that Absolutely. maximum part? Go so ahead. the M is the maximum offer you can make. Love that. So Dave walked through it for us. He said, and let's do an example here real quick. I use round numbers. So let's say $100,000 is our ARV, our after repair value, the property, the most it's going to be worth is $100,000. Uh, let's use our discount rate. David mentioned you're going to multiply it by 0.7 or 70%. So now we're at $70,000. Then we're going to subtract our repairs. Let's estimate the repairs around $10,000. And let's add our wholesale fee of 10000 as well. So we're going to take off another $20,000. Okay. So now we are at $50,000 for the property. That is the max you can pay, guys. You cannot pay more than that or you will not make your wholesale fee. You will not be able to sell it to your cash buyer. Yeah. So basically what we do is we take our, our MAO, the, the, that max number, and we subtract 10, another 15, five, 20. 10. Yeah. It depends on the price. If the price is only... Thirty grand, you can't take ten off. It's well, going to be too low. Exactly. If we're in hundred thousand dollar houses, yeah. it's going to be less. If but we're basically, we're taking five to ten percent, maybe more, off of that initial number, because whenever we're negotiating, we don't want to negotiate above that number. We want to negotiate to that number. So, look at it like this. Let's use a let's use a real world example here. Let's say that we have a property with a two hundred thousand dollar ARV. Okay, we're going to multiply that by 70%, which gives us $140,000. let us say that that property needs $30,000 in repairs. So we want from $200 to $140. We're taking $30 off. That puts us at $110. And we're going to use $10,000 as our wholesale fee. Mm -hmm. Very simple. So we basically got our offer. I'm going to say this again. We've got our maximum allowable offer. That's a better way to word it. At $100K. We're going to go in and we're going to offer 85 or 90, maybe less, but 85 or 90 is where we're going to start. Here is why, guys. Again, this is all about negotiation. Nobody likes to negotiate with somebody that doesn't have any wiggle room, that is just going to be a rock and just stern and just stubborn. Everybody wants to try to get a deal or feel like they got a deal or won in a negotiation. So let people think that. Why? Because it makes them feel like they're not getting taken. Yeah, so there's psychology behind this, too. And, Dave, I know we've talked about it in the past. It's something called price anchoring, too. Yeah, so you also explain you wanna, that. You want to throw out a – and this is kind of my interpretation of it. You want to throw out an anchor of – again, this is a $200,000 house. They know it needs work. They know they're not getting 200000 You want to throw out an anchor of 80000 as your initial offer. And then when you're able to come back and forth and they say, oh, man, I was really hoping for one hundred and ten. Well, if you can get to around a hundred, you you're happy. Your deal. You came up twenty thousand dollars. They're it. thinking they. And when did. you anchor low, it gets in their mindset where you're at, right? So yeah, you always want to anchor low. But even more importantly than that, or well, equally important, you you got to have some wiggle room, right? But typically, what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to negotiate to what I like to call the twenty five percent mark. So let's say that we're forty thousand apart, right? I want you coming down 30 grand and I'm coming up 10. 
right? So whenever I'm negotiating, I need to come up, right? I, I, I typically will, but I'm not coming up 50%. I, I never meet people in the middle, right? What I'll do is I'll come up, but I'm coming up 10, 15, maybe 20%, 25% at the very most. And I want them to come down 70% or 75%, all right? Therefore, you are going to be able to end up getting the deal at or hopefully below your maximum allowable offer, but you still left wiggle room to come up. And they came down. So everybody's doing this reminds me what of happens in a typical negotiation. Book we need to plug here. Uh, Never Split the Difference. You remember reading that yeah, one? Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name. Neither I've read it like I. six times, It's actually. a great book. I need to reread that one. Yeah, we're not terrorists yeah. or work for the FBI, but there's some good principles in there's there. There's some really good principles in negotiating. Yeah, or negotiators in terms of yeah, that. Yeah, we're yeah. not dealing with lives. We're dealing with other problems. But very good book. Yeah, very, so Never Split the Difference, book. guys. If you're looking for a great book on negotiation, uh, it's a very, very interesting book and has a lot of really good ideas in it. Uh, so definitely check that one out. Uh, Dave, you have anything else? Oh, I got a lot today? of stuff, man. Oh, I got go. all kinds of let's stuff. Let's keep okay. going. So Spit when them. you're Spit negotiating it. with these people, um, always discount your MAO because that's where you want to end up. That is not the beginning number. That is the end number. I can't not stress this enough. Okay. Now, when you are um, making offers on properties, sometimes we will get a property that's, you know, Kind of a deal, but it's not a great deal. It's not a home run deal. But we will still lock it up under contract for multiple reasons. One, the most important thing. If you don't have any inventory, how can you sell anything? Like You can't sell deals if you don't have properties locked up. So we are always leaning towards locking properties up, even if they are not exactly at the price. Reason being is we can always go back and renegotiate those deals later. That's we, why we have the inspection period and the due diligence Well, period. a real quick comment on that. We consider ourselves experts, but we also recognize we are not perfect. Yeah. So Guesstimate repairs, times, and it could be off by 20 30%, 50%. A lot of times... There's a buyer on our list who's willing to pay more than we would have. Then we would pay for it. Yeah. Right. So again, that's why Dave says, "Yeah, lock it up because you can go back and renegotiate." I love. Well, that. you don't. You, you don't. You cannot wholesale a deal that you don't have under contract. Period. Like, let's just stop right there for a second. It is impossible to wholesale a deal that you don't have under contract legally. You have to have inventory. How do you get inventory? You use contracts to secure properties. Now. Another thing when it comes to negotiating, and this is a great tool, right, is whenever you send somebody an offer on a property, they mentally think it's sold, even though it hasn't closed yet. Mm -hmm. So if you have to go above your MAO just to secure that property, well, use your due diligence period to maybe try to increase the amount of repairs, or maybe you are just wrong and they are higher. Try to use that period to, to, to lower your uh, MAO and prove that to the seller that it's not going to be worth 260 when it's all done. It's only going to be worth 240, which affects the entire equation, right? So you want to increase the repairs. You want to decrease the ARV of the property. Um, but essentially, when you have it under contract and you come back and let's say you can use one of those, great. If you can't, well, then just say, you know, I just can't pay this much. The offer is too high. And what typically happens, I'd say at least 50% of the time, the seller already thought the property was sold in their head. They 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 they, they saw themselves mentally at the closing table. They visualized it, and now you're coming back and you're saying, you know, I don't think this is going to work. So what ends up happening is they go into problem-solving mode. Well, man, I was really hoping that you were going to buy this. Let's role play for a second. I was really hoping that you were going to buy this property from me, Mike. You know what 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 do we need to do to to, to you know to get this deal done? Like, I, I, it sucks that you can't pay the eighty grand that you had 
told yeah, me. Yeah, I'm really sorry, Dave. You know, but, how far uh, apart are we, man? What do you? Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, the the comps that we found, it just is not worth that to me, and I just can't do it. Uh, if you could come down, I mean, I could pay seventy thousand for the property. You could I mean, do seventy would... for it. I could. I do mean, 70... I really was hoping to get ninety when we first started talking, and we kind of, you know, met at the middle at eighty. No, I understand. But I do that. need to sell this because and I'm getting, I'm getting relocated. Did I, I would... did I tell you that I'm, I'm moving to Kansas City? I understand that, David. I really week. would like to help you out, but seventy is the best I can do. Can I you... mean, I can keep my closing date same time, but we're gonna have to come down on price if we can do. Well, that. here's the thing: I owe seventy-two. Can you at least can you give me seventy-two? We can do seventy-two. Make this happen. Okay, boom. So we just got eight grand off of the deal. By just talking. We didn't do anything more than speak on the phone to this person, right? So don't be afraid to get properties under contract. You have to have inventory to do wholesales. And if you want to do eight, ten deals a month like we're doing, then you need to be locking up a lot of properties. Mm -hmm. You know, we typically close on 90% of the deals that we get at this point, but there are some deals, several, some, you know, sometimes two or three in a month's time that we have to back out of because the numbers don't work. And it's not because we're bad at what we do. It's because we sometimes discover things along the process of doing due diligence that changes the equation. That's 100% true. I mean, it's we, so true. And we do on a lot of our deals, we make a lot of our deals subject to a sewer lateral inspection. And or we, even, yeah, I mean, most of them do are, are doer sewer laterals. Because that's the one thing that you can't inspect by yourself. Like, you, you got to have a camera go in there. I can walk around a property. Mike can walk around a property and determine if it needs siding or a roof or windows. I mean, those things are visible. They jump out at you. But the sewer lateral is sometimes 12, 15 feet deep in the ground. And they're very expensive, too. So if we come across a property that, you know, has a cracked sewer lateral, well, that might cost, you know, three or 4000 just for a little bit. It could cost ten or 15000 to do the whole damn sewer lateral. Yeah. So we need to know that in advance because if we don't know that, that's how we will end up paying too much for the property. And it also gives you, you know, leverage to negotiate whenever you have those things. Uh, it's rare that Mike and I hire an inspector. And pay three, four, five hundred bucks. Very rare. But sometimes people will do that too because the inspector's job is to find every little thing. They're nitpicky. That's what you hire them for. They're going to give you a 70 page report <laughs> with a hundred little things. And you can take that back to the seller and you can also use that as ammunition to get a lower price because your repairs are going to be basically that sheet or that 70 pages. Everything's going to need to be addressed if you were to do the rehab you know, properly. So lots and lots of tips and tricks here on negotiating with sellers. I think the main point that I want you guys to take away from this episode, though, is don't be afraid to lock up properties. you got to have inventory. If you don't have inventory, you can't sell deals. If you go in over your MAO, not the end of the world, use your inspection period to try to get that property down. If you get it at MAO or even better below MAO, I don't see why you there's a problem. That's that's a win. That's a home run. You should be able to wholesale that deal. Yeah. And it's okay to be nervous about it too. Yeah. It's totally okay to second guess yourself. And if you are brand new, don't give the earnest money to the seller. Take it to a title company. That was the first mistake I made at wholesaling. <laughs> Not the first. I had many more before that. But the first deal I did. I gave the seller $10, $10 check because I thought that's what I needed to do. Yeah. Right? Hey, no big deal. So man. if you are new and you find that deal, get the contract signed, take that to a title company or a closing attorney, depending on where you live, and open your escrow account with that third party. Pro tip, some people are going to say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But man, <laughs> some people are going to say, I hey, did not know that. That's the thing. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. You don't know until you know. You don't know until you know. That's right. Awesome. That's right. So guys, when it comes to negotiating with sellers, 
Um, don't be afraid to get it under contract. Ask them why they are selling. Try to get their level of motivation determined from the get-go. And then offer them a solution. Also, I don't usually ask the seller what they're asking for a property. Instead, I reword it. And I say, what do you need? What do you need to get? I don't really care. And I'm not going to say this to them, but I'm thinking in my head, I don't really care what you want. What do you need? Because that's really what why I'm here. I'm trading convenience for a discount. I said it earlier. So, you know, what is that level of discount that you're willing to give me for me to make your life easier, right? So figure out what they need for the property. Um, there's also a couple different um, techniques out there that we use to determine what a seller owes on a property. So when we are negotiating with them, we can, um, we can actually figure out what they owe on that property. So, you know, we typically don't like making offers, you know, 30, 40 K above what somebody owes, unless it's still a home run deal or, you know, below our MAO. Um, one of the places that we love to use to uh, run our comps is uh, PropStream. And if you're not familiar with PropStream, you need to check it out. It is an amazing um, place to go run comps and help determine those ARVs. Um, I'm going to actually put a link in the show notes for you guys to get a free trial with PropStream. We use the hell out of it. So check out PropStream if you're looking to run comps or need help with that. Um, but in the end, at the end of the day, guys, just make a friend, build some rapport, figure out why they need to sell, figure out what they need to make this work for both parties, and lock it up. Use the inspection period to make the numbers work if they don't already. And that's it. Don't overthink it. You don't need to go out and buy a $10,000 course on negotiating with sellers. Just be yourself. Anything you want to add, Mike? I mean, it's it's not hard. It just, Negotiating you just is, can't be scared. You it's gotta just literally just talking to people. It's it. That's all yeah, it is. So don't be afraid to talk to people. Don't be afraid to make offers. Get properties under contract, and go back and be honest with them. Say, hey, I thought it was worth more. I, I'm sorry, I can't pay that. Uh, just like my contract said, we're gonna have to either renegotiate or or we're gonna have to part ways. Love it. Yeah, love it, guys. Thanks for listening. I love dropping these short podcasts with some gold nuggets in it. We will be back soon with more for you all. Signing off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.